resistance as a church. And um, it's just a blessing. It's just a, it's one of those things where there was a day we were, some of us were dreaming and praying and thinking about this possibility. And, um, and God has, has brought people together and brought many of you here and we've connected and we're friends and we're brothers and we're sisters and we've, we've laughed together, we've cried together, we've died together, been married together, given birth. God calls us to be part of a family. He blesses us with a physical family, but he calls us to a spiritual family. And I want to encourage you. I want to push you. It's not my topic for today. It's not what I'm going to be preaching about, but I want to push you. Invest your life. Open your life up to other people. There's only one organization, if you call it that, that Jesus has said, will stand and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it and that is his church the bride of Christ what Jesus calls the family of believers the building that he's building it is the church and I don't say that because I'm a pastor Mm -mm. I'm a pastor because I believe that That's how God called me into this role. And no matter what comes in my life or yours, that doesn't change. That doesn't change. I do want to encourage you as we pray for one another, as we think about the body, I want to just mention two people I I really want to ask you to pray for. Um, One is be in prayer for Bill Grove, Bill and Becky Grove. They have been with us for a couple weeks. They're, They're dealing with a lot of physical things, not only with them, but also with their family members. And they need our prayer. And they need you to reach out to them. I know that Bill has ministered to many of you with words of wisdom, with care. He needs that now. He needs that. And the other one is Judy Hera. And you may not know Judy, but Judy sits right over here. There's Cindy. Okay. So pray for Judy. Judy's out in Morgantown, right, Cindy? Uh, Friday, ICU. Still in ICU. All right. Reach out to Judy and let her know that you're praying for her. Her number's in the directory. You can go on, you can go on the directory. Her cell phone is there. Give her a call. Send her a text. I don't know. Do what you got to do. Drive out and see her. Encourage her. Let people know that you're praying for her. Let's go to the Lord now. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way you work in our lives. God, I ask you now to speak to us from your word. Lord, as we open up your word, it is that that has... Our answer today, it is your word that your spirit uses. It's no man or woman, it's your word. But Lord, we do pray right now that your spirit would come and fill. Lord, I'm asking for you to fill me with your spirit. I'm asking you to fill the congregation with your spirit so that we can hear what you have for us today. So Lord, our hearts are open. Show us your will and direct our steps. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're gonna be in the Gospel of Matthew today, so if you open up your Bible 
So the Gospel of Matthew is the first book of your New Testament. And we're starting today a series that I don't even have any idea how long this is going to go. Okay, so if you're one of those people that want to know when it's going to end, I have no idea. All right. I spent some time trying to figure out the key passage of the Gospel of Matthew in preparation for this moment when I could say to you, here is the most important verse in all of Matthew. I stopped listing 12, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stop doing that. Because it just, it, I, there, is no, there is no limit to the, to, the, to the impact that the Gospel of Matthew has on God's children when they go there. I'm sent in my mind to Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples. I'm sent in my mind to Matthew chapter 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I'm sent to Matthew chapter 16, that, the, that God is gonna, Christ is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I go in my mind to Matthew chapter 11, come to me all who are weary. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, Jesus said. I go to Matthew chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all, his right, all that righteousness and, and everything will be added to us if we seek his kingdom. There is just no limit. The Son of Man is going to return in all of his glory and the angels with him. And he'll separate the, the sheep from the goats and then he'll usher in his kingdom. Woe to you Pharisees for you do this and you do that. I've not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. Depart from me, I never knew you. The Gospel of Matthew is filled with great, great truth because much of it are the words of Jesus. So we're going to spend the next few months and probably longer, probably we'll be measuring it years by the time we're done, looking at the words of Jesus and the impact he had on the world. Now, the Gospel of Matthew is where we're going to be today. We're going to start in chapter 3. We're starting chapter 3. The reason for that is we're going to deal with chapter 1 and chapter 2 when we come into the Advent season, Christmas passages. But we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3 today, and we're going to be introduced to a very important character. I love this guy. His name is John the Baptist. Jesus said he's the greatest man born of a woman. That's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist comes on the scene and speaks on behalf of God, the people of God had been devoid of the word of God, the revelation of God, for over 400 years. Over 400 years and God had been silent with a group of people that he had spoken to often. God had sent many, many prophets and spoke to them by kings and spoke to them by shepherds. And then God went silent for 400 years. You know, silence has a way of softening the soul. It really does. I fell more deeply in love with my wife because of an extended period of time, silence. Most of you have been here before. I seem to bring this up all the time, but we were married and I left for basic training for six months. Remember that? Yeah, you know, okay. Didn't see my wife for months. And the only opportunity I had to talk to her was on something that some of you don't even know what this even is, but was a pay phone, okay? Quarter, you know, remember those? Okay. 
And I would call her on that phone once a week sometimes. And we would wait in long lines, 30, 40 deep, waiting with other privates. Hurry up, man, hurry up. Waiting in line to hear, to hear the voice of the one you loved and the one who loved you. And I'm gonna tell you, when you're on that phone, your soul is soft. Because silence makes the soul soft. Verse number one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That's John's message. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. It's not long and drawn out. No PowerPoint for John, okay? Pretty simple. There it is. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. Now, that's a little odd, but hey, you know, different time, different place. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Now, that is really strange, okay? Yeah, those are bugs. That's right, and that's sweet honey. Now, that tastes good, but how's a locust taste? I don't know. Haven't been there. Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the, about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So you picture this happening? John out there in all of his wildness, been living in the desert, in the wilderness, and he's out there preaching a very simple message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's out preaching that message, and the people are coming to him in droves. This is, a, this is a revival that's going on in Israel that is probably unparalleled. The impact that John the Baptist had on that region blows, blows historians' minds. Josephus, a, an unbelieving Jewish historian of the time period, speaks of the great impact John the Baptist had. His message is very, very simple, but his God is powerful, and he's calling people to himself. And part of that process is this being baptized there in the Jordan River. Now, the word is out. The word is out that God has done something. God is doing something. So in verse 7, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, hear the word. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, you snakes. So a viper is a word for a deadly poisonous snake. The same word used for the snake that bit Paul on the island of Malta. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit and keep with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now I believe he speaks to the crowd. 
I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Man, God is doing a work. Chapter three and four is gonna be about the arrival of the king. It's gonna be about the arrival of the king. You see, the whole gospel of Matthew, quite honestly, has a very clear theme. And it is, Jesus is the king, and he is establishing his kingdom. That's basically the whole theme of the gospel of Matthew. And we're gonna see that repeated over and over and over. Jesus is the king, He's coming to rule, and he is going to set up a kingdom that will one day be ruling on this earth, an earthy, a, a physical, a present future kingdom. So chapter one of Matthew is about this king being eternal, and we'll look at that. We're going to look at the genealogy, and you're going to enjoy it, actually, when we get there. Chapter two is about the birth of this king. Some of that you are very familiar with. We're going to deal with that in the Advent season. I encourage you, invite people out to come hear about the coming king who came and is coming into their lives if they open up their heart to him. But in three and four, it's, it's not really about those two things. It's about Jesus arriving on the scene. Arriving on the scene. And in Matthew chapter three, uh, just a few things here to kind of set the context. John the Baptist is here. He's called John the Baptist because of his ministry of baptism. But more than that, honestly, if you were going to identify what John was, you'd call him preacher. He's John the baptizer. That's what the Bible calls him. He's John the preacher. He comes out of the wilderness. He's been out there for some time. This says, in those days. It's very intentionally vague. We don't know how much time went from 3-1 back to 2-23. 2-23 ends. We go to 3-1. We don't really know how much time went by. Luke chapter 3 shed some light on it. Probably about 30 years have gone by. We have very little detail about the life of Jesus from basically his infant state, a, a toddler, to this time period. Very little. One scene at the temple, probably 12 years old, that's it. That's it. We know that, that God has not been speaking to the people through prophets for 400 years. We know that the people of Israel are expecting God to send a prophet, and he will be called Elijah. You can find that in the very last chapter of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, where God says, when I come, I will send Elijah. And so some people believed that John, that John was Elijah. He definitely came in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus said, if you'd accepted me, speaking of himself, John would have been the fulfillment of that prophecy. But we know that in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus will be rejected. Now, John the Baptist came preaching. And he came in the wilderness of Judea. He's next to Jerusalem in all of its ornate decoration in its temple. Some of you are going to the Bible Museum this Wednesday with the seniors. I'll be there, okay? I'm going to walk you guys around that place. It's a great place. You're going to see the temple. The temple, well, not the temple, but you're going to see a model of the temple. It was a beautiful, huge building. And that's where the religious leaders were. And it was, it, was, it was decorated with gold and silver and, and purple and, and lovely, lovely, beautiful images. And out in the wilderness is John. 
If you saw him, you'd have thought he, was, you know, he was, had some kind of psychosis or something. This guy is a madman. What's wrong with him? But what I want to look at today is I want to just briefly look at what was his message. What was John telling the people of God, the people of the world? It's this. God is preparing the world for the change. There's a change coming. And God is preparing the way for that change. And his message is very, very simple. You could preach this one. You could preach this one at your work this week. Or at your school. Now, I probably wouldn't recommend it, maybe. Okay, it didn't go great for John. He lost his head over this message. But, hey, maybe that's what God's calling you to. I don't know. But here's what he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I have just a few brief moments to highlight a few things about three parts of his message. We'll come back to this because these same expressions are all through the gospel of Matthew. So I'm not worried about getting done today because I've got years to deal with these three things. First of all, repent. Let's talk about what this word repent means. The word, it comes from a Greek word, okay? The word is, in case you're wondering, metanoeo is what it is. And it means a change, It means a change. So when John said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this is the first time this word is used in your whole Bible. But when Jesus preached, he said, repent. When Jesus sent his disciples out to preach, he told them, repent. You need to to communicate the message of repent. Repent, a change is part of the gospel. It is. Let me tell you about what it means. Really, this, this change, is, it's, it's not a work of your effort. It's not you brushing yourself or, or, or improving yourself or, or some kind of behavior reform. That's not what it is. But when we are moved in our heart to respond to God, he calls for us to have an attitude of repentance. And it really has three elements to it. Mind, heart, Hands. Mind, heart, hands. First of all, mind. Repentance is a change of understanding about one's self. I am a sinner. I have wronged God. There is a holy God, and I've wronged him. It's the first step of repentance. It's not a step as in first do this, then do this, then do this, but it just, as we understand it, it's the first element. The second one is a change of heart. This is a sorrow over my sin. This is recognizing that I have wronged a a holy God and I regret that. I have sorrow over it. I hate my sin. I hate my rebellion. There's a holy God. I'm not like him. And I hate my sin. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end. There's more to this. Look what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 10. Paul wrote, under the inspiration of God's spirit, that godly grief, sorrow, sorrow, 
sorrow. Produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. A godly grief informed by God. I've sorrowed over my sin. And it leads to salvation without regret. But there's a worldly grief that produces death. Our mind must change. Repentance, our mind must change. I'm a sinner. God is holy. I've wronged him. And I have sorrow over that. And so now in faith, I turn to God. I turn to him. Here's that turn. We come to the third element. My hands. My hands. There is also a change in me. A change in me. I've used this illustration dozens of times. I'm walking forward. I'm the king. I'm the ruler. I'm okay. Me and God are all right. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm a sinner. God is holy. I have sorrow over my sin. My sin put Jesus on the cross. Oh, I hate it. I turn from it and turn in faith to God. That's the message of John. That's the message of Jesus That's the message of the disciples of Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. You can see it here in in John's expression to the Pharisees. He says to them in verse number seven, when he saw many Pharisees come to the baptism, notice they didn't come confessing. When he saw the Pharisees coming to his baptism, earlier in verse number six, he talked to people coming to the baptism and they are confessing. Not the Pharisees. They're coming to watch. They're coming to observe. They're coming to evaluate. He says, you brood of vipers. See, he knows God's spirit has prompted John and he knows there's no intellectual change. There's no emotional change. There's no hand act of their will change. And so there is no life. Repentance is a change of the person. It's a, cha- it's a total surrender of who you are to Christ. It's more than regret. It's more than sorrow. It's I am a sinner. Now, the next phrase that we'll deal with quickly is the kingdom of heaven. John says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, again, this This phrase is used so often in the gospel of Matthew. Over and over and over, we have this kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. And now this is hard for us to understand because, I mean, our country, we we fought a war and rebellion against the king, right? So we're like, king, what, what is this? This is foreign to me. We need to understand that God is king of the universe. He is ultimately sovereign over every detail. Every detail of every part of every person's life. God is ruling sovereign over it. And so when we speak of the kingdom of heaven, we're referring to God's rule. And there are two elements of God's rule. There are two elements of 
We need to understand this as we move into the gospel. The first one is wide. The first one is very, very wide. Okay? And it is that God is ruling sovereign over every detail of all the world. He is king of the world. That's why John said, if God wanted to, he could say to those stones, hey, stones, you're up, worship. And they would. That's sovereignty. That's rule. That's king. And that's one element of the kingship or the kingdom of heaven. But there's a second element. Please hear this. A second element are the people of God who responded to the gospel and now he rules as the king of their life. That God is my king. That my things are his things. That my time is his time. That my belongings are his belongings. That my life is his life. That everything I have it's his. I'm a child of the king. I'm a subject of the king. So there's two aspects of God's kingdom. But there is coming a day where the two will be made one. There is coming a day when every single person Living on the new heaven, and I'm sorry, in the new heaven or the new earth, will be living under the kingship of the great sovereign one. And what John is saying is that is at hand. And that's our third expression for today that it's at hand. John is saying, listen, wake up. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's time to respond. You can't wait any longer. Now this word at hand has, has less to do with time and more to do with urgency. Okay, now that, let, me, let me try to explain that. John's not saying, okay, the kingdom of heaven is coming in 3.5 hours. So start counting. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is ur- it's an urgent time to respond. The time to respond is now. The time is now. You can't wait. Act now. That's what that word at hand means. John wasn't the only one that said it. Guess who else said it? Jesus. Jesus said the same exact expression. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your Bible say, may say, it is near. And see, that's that, that's that trying to express this idea, not so much of time, but of urgency. John is trying to say to all the world, the time to respond is now. You must respond to this message now. The world needs this message now. It's an important message, but it's also urgent. Where John is driving us is this, that we need to understand that the days we are in, and and we are 2,000 years after John, they're evil. The days are evil. And so the need is urgent. 
the need to bring this message of repent, turn from sin, and by faith, turn to Christ. Because there is a kingdom of heaven. Our wor- this world is not our home. We really weren't designed for this place. You are made, and not just you, but every single person that you catch eyes with is made for eternity. And so John is saying, and Jesus is saying, and I'm saying, it's urgent, folks. And what makes it urgent? First, we need to recognize that the king, Jesus, could return at any moment. I've been kicking around the Bible for 25 years. I've had classes, I've had lessons, I've had, I've had all kinds of teaching and instruction in the Bible. I've been reading and studying my Bible pretty faithfully for over 20 years. There aren't many works of theology that I haven't been exposed to in one way or another. And I'm telling you right now, there is nothing in this Bible that needs to happen before Jesus returns. His return is imminent. You know how else I could say that? His return is at hand. It's urgent. He could come. First reason. Second reason. You all know every person you run into, every child that's in your classroom, every kid that eats in this cafeteria, a guy in the cubicle next to you, that person that makes you mad on the interstate, Every single one of them can meet their maker today. Death comes, and it always comes shockingly, right? Shockingly. Somebody tell you, that person was 105, and they died. Boy, that'll make you think, right? No, no, you're supposed to die at 105. What do you mean, right? Death is coming. And then thirdly, understand, and this may be, See, the first two, you're like, yeah, 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 Jesus' going to come back. Okay, somebody's going to die. Listen to this one. The longer people reject, the better they get at it. And that breaks my heart. Rejection of God's word Rejection of the Holy Spirit. Rejection of the gospel is a learned behavior. And the people that we're with, the people that we're around, the people that we know and love are getting better and better all the time. So we need a holy God a supreme God, a king, to reach into their heart and do this work in, his, in their hearts that only he can when we share the gospel. That's the message of John the Baptist. It's the message of Jesus. But I want to bring this home for us a little bit more. Many of you know that we've been telling you for a couple weeks 
that today is a day of announcing some, some changes and, and um, some big news. And, and I want to I share this with you. And, and um, I want you to know that the last two to three months have been great times of growth for your pastoral team. Now, if you, are a, if you are a student of the Bible, you should know what brings growth in a believer's life. It's not the reading of books. It's not the sitting in sermons. You know what it is? It's struggle. It's challenge. It's unknown. It's the battle, folks. It's the battle. We've been in a battle the last couple weeks and months. But God has shown his will. God is directed. And I have full trust in our king. So let me walk you through four things that have become very evident to us as leaders. And I'm asking you to pray about all of these things. First of all, it has become apparently, it's just obvious, it's becoming obvious to us that a facility on the property next door is beyond the means of our church right now. It's obvious. We've had a group of people who have been working, we call them a design team, and I thank you for your ministry. It isn't done. We started out on this adventure and we were given a number to shoot for one and a half million dollars. And I was like, huh? One and a half million dollars. Well, three weeks ago, and that time period is important, it became obvious those numbers were wrong. For us to move on to that property with, with a building of very small uh, dimensions would be very likely in the neighborhood of $3 million. And we prayed about it and we said, Lord, is this your will? Is this how you're directing us? We labored over this and we said, we don't believe so. We don't believe that God would have us to place us under that kind of a burden. So barring some miracle that we are unaware of, we do not believe it is time. We do not believe it is time. Now, along with that, another time thing has become evident. We've been here for 10 years. <laughs> Sorry. The dream for this church started right through this wall, made us out of this wall. It is very clear. It is very clear that our time at Springmills Middle School is very nearly over. I want to be honest with you. I didn't know what I'd be saying to you today. I knew it was going to be one of two things. It was either we've got to leave soon or we've got to leave in November. It was made very clear to us that we 
must leave Spring Mills Middle School. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So we prayed. We prayed. We had three months. And this time they really meant it. We've been telling you that for 10 years. But this time they really meant it. Well, all I can say is the prayer of a righteous group of men is powerful and effective. And I saw a change in a heart that was amazing. But it's a wake-up call, folks. It's time to move. It's time to move. I want you to know we're not being pushed out. We're being called out. You see, we knew it was time to move before that. We knew it was time to move before that. There are things that we want to do in ministry that we can't. There are things that we, there are efforts we want to have in ministry that we can't. You open up your home, thank you. We meet in your house for different things. Thank you for doing that. You guys have been flexible, the people that work here and set up every single week and tear down every single week. And many of you are 10 years older and I know it. So am I. It was a day I could sling those chairs like nothing. You know what? Now I get tired, right? Listen, we got to keep moving. We got to keep going. But our time is short. So here's our goal. And I need you to pray. Church, if this is your church, if you are a believer, you need to pray. We need an interim location in the Berkeley County area that is, can be ours to use all week for the next three to five years. We are searching hard. We are desperately looking. I've had so many meetings the last couple weeks about seeking something. I need to pray. I need to pray. Our goal is to be in that interim facility, and this has been communicated to the Berkeley County Schools. Our goal is that we will be in an interim facility by anniversary 11 next year. This will be the last anniversary, Lord willing, that we will celebrate at Spring Mills Middle School. We were told that will be fine. We'll, they'll work with us on that. So we have to the end of this school year to find, no, for the Lord to reveal an interim location for us. But there's four things. Because listen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, I used to have this idea. I'm like, Lord, if you just tell me, like, how long I have to live, you know, tell me that I'm going to die at, you know, 48, or I'm going to die at 68, or I'm going to die at 88. If you would just tell me, I used to think this and have this conversation with God. I'm a weirdo, I know. But if you would just tell me, then, man, I can run really, really hard. Because if I know I'm gone at 48, I'm going to sprint. 
If I'm going at 68, you know, I'll stretch out my gain a little more. If it's 88, okay, I can, you know, I can kind of pace myself quite a bit. So foolish of me, right? Well, guess what? We know. We know. We know. And so here's our goal. We need to maximize this opportunity. Our time is limited, folks. We need to maximize the opportunity that we have here in Spring Mills Middle School. Now understand, our relationship with the Spring Mills community is not geographical. It's relational. It's relational. Pick up this group of people, put them anywhere, we're going to love this community. Right? Right? That's right. We have a relationship with Spring Mills Middle School. We have an opportunity here that my pastor friends are like, oh, I wish that I had that. What an opportunity you guys have to be right there in the school, to be connected to the school like that. That's what a blessing that is, okay? They're right, and we need to respond. So here's our plan, Lord willing. And we need you to pray and to invest with us. Come and join us. I can't do this on my own. I'll die trying, but I can't do it on my own. The pastoral team, we can't do it on our own. We will run to exhaustion, but we can't do it on our own. We need the body of Christ to respond towards this goal. December 2nd is the first week of Advent, and that morning we want to launch a second service here at church. And we want the body of Christ to partner with us to invite out the community to come, come minister with us, come serve with us, come worship with us, come be with us. This is going to require sacrifice for us as a church. It's going to require some of us who haven't really done much so far, but we love this church. It's time to step it up. It's time. We need you to work in the ministries. Yes. We're going to need, we don't know how we're going to do setup yet. We don't know. If you're wondering, we don't know. We do not know. We got, we got a couple months to figure it out. What you say, well, how are we going to handle the children's ministries? How are we going to handle these ministries? Oh, I know, I know, I know. I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, Four days ago, I didn't know where we were going to be on December 2nd to have church. Process? That's right. But now I know. Because God came through. So join with us. We're going to give you more details in the next next week and, and in the following weeks, but... This is an exciting time for us. I'm calling to our church to have the shortest missions trip ever experienced. This is the shortest missions trip you're ever, ever, ever going to experience because you got to travel nowhere, okay? All you got to do is come here. Join the team of people. Join the team of people who are going to say, you know what, I'm going to make, as God is my strength, I'm going to make this work. And so I'm going to serve, I'm going to go to focus group, and I'm going to worship. I'm going to do those things. Because the time is short. Repent, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's an urgent need to respond. I had no idea 10 years ago that we'd be here for 10 years. I didn't know if it would be one year. I didn't know if it would be 50 years. But over the last few months, weeks, and days, it is evident that it's time. It's time. So let's pray together right now, and then we'll worship together before we leave. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the universe. You are the sovereign king of all. You rule our lives. And you are the great shepherd of the church. Father, you've taken your church through a wilderness and we've come out at the end more convinced of your control and your leading in our life than ever before. So now, Father, I pray you'd make it clear to us. God, our first thought is we want to reach this community. Lord, we don't know exactly where we're going to be in a year, but we know we're going to be in two months. So, Lord, May we be faithful with this opportunity. You have given us a trust. I pray we wouldn't dig a hole and bury it in the ground, but that we'd invest and that you would now multiply it over. Father, bless our effort. And Lord, we need a place for your people to gather. I've realized it's not my problem. I've released it. It's yours. So God, we pray that you would direct and you would fulfill and you would, you would provide and, and you, would, you would prosper us in you. Show us what your plan is. God, you love us. You fought for us at the cross. You defended us from sin. You called us to yourself and now you lead your church. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.